and welcome to our podcast. This is Hypochondriac's Almanac, and we are very excited to be recording for you folks this evening. I am Sarah, and this is my co-host, Katrina. Say hi, Katrina. Hello. In case you're wondering, this is the podcast for all of you out there that secretly think you have a new disease every time you have a sniffle, twinge, or headache. It is not a tumor. We understand, we identify, and we have definitely scoped out WebMD more than a few hundred times. We are here to talk weird diseases, strange illnesses, crazy symptoms, rare disorders, interesting cures, food, medicine, all of it. We love it. We can't wait to talk about it. We are super excited to talk about it. But before we get started, we want to give you a few little disclaimers. First and foremost, we are not doctors or nurses or medical professionals of any kind. Katrina is studying to be a nurse, but please, please, please do not take anything we say on the show as medical advice. We are not trying to treat, diagnose, or fix any of your medical conditions. If you have an issue, please see a doctor. Do not guess or take what we say as a diagnostic tool. We just want to talk about all the fun and weird parts of the medical world in the past, present, and the future. Let's jump right into today's episode. This is a passion and a very interesting topic. Both Katrina and I have long, long, long studied and been interested in this particular topic. We grew up in an environment um, when we were very small where our mother sort of cooked organically, shopped at a co-op, made everything from scratch. We did not eat sugar. We homegrew a lot of the fruits and vegetables that we ate. My dad fished and hunted. We did not buy a lot of meat from the grocery store. So there was a different sort of a lifestyle involved in, in what food was for us. It was more of a fuel and a medicine in our family. What What's your take on that, Katrina? Um, honestly, I, I don't remember that time. <laughs> I was baby when... So Katrina is, uh, what are you, four years younger than me, five years younger than me? Yeah. So the times that I'm kind of referring to are from about my birth to about age five or six. At that point, our mother got a divorce and life kind of switched lanes for us. But... I think the interest for food and sort of holistic healing and medicines and things of that nature has long been an interest of mine. I really firmly believe that the health industry in the United States today wants to drug us up, wants to keep us hooked on pills and medications and just put a Band-Aid over these issues that we're having rather than finding out what is causing a lot of these problems, i.e. poor diet sedentary lifestyle and putting chemicals into our bodies thoughts so um i did have cancer and that really that the when you hear somebody a doctor tell you that you have cancer it's probably one of the scariest things that you can hear and the first thought goes that goes through your mind is like what does that even mean for me. And so for me, luckily it was early enough where they were able to just cut it out and I didn't have to do any chemo or anything like that. And it has not come back. But for a lot of people, um, you know, it really makes you think about like, what am I putting in my body that affects that is, that can create or an environment that cancer can grow. Right. So you, at that point think, I mean to make some life changes because I don't want that to come back because that's scary. Right. Last week we did an episode with Tina K. Smith um, when Katrina was on vacay. Actually, she was studying for some exams, but I did an episode with a nurse practitioner who really kind of delved into this topic a little bit. She talked about CBD oils. So if you're interested in that, go check out last week's episode. Um, It will probably be out in a couple of weeks, but it is the episode prior to this episode. Um, But we're going to kind of talk I think today we're going to begin our journey and talk about some of the really bad things that food can do um, and sort of the food-related disorders. Um, I have pulled up an article from listfirst.com called 10 Terrible Eating-Related Disorders. And these are kind of the worst-case scenarios for people and how they react, relate to, and treat food. But um, this particular article came out March 14th. Um, I do not see an author on the article, but here we go. Number 10 on this list is orthorexia. 
I personally had never heard of this particular disorder, but it is characterized by the obsession with eating healthy foods. This disease can be confused with and or diagnosed as anorexia, but the main difference is the reasoning behind the eating habits. Anorexics are obsessed with losing weight while orthoretics feel a need to be healthy and eat pure foods. Orthorexia was not recognized by the DSMIV and in general will not be diagnosed. But it is seeing a greater threshold and stronghold. It's but it is seeing a greater stronghold across the U.S. People have actually succumbed to this disease, and it is actually, um, in extreme cases, created significant health problems um, because they're not eating a well balanced diet and they're not getting enough protein when they get crazy about the obsession with just eating healthy foods. You usually find instances where people eat just apples or just celery. It's not a healthy, an obsession with a healthy lifestyle with a well balance. It's usually one or two foods that they're eating that are organic or they consider healthy, and it's usually not enough calories or protein. Have you ever heard of this? I, I think I think I have heard about it because there with the the raw food um, movement, there is a lot of people who are not going about it the right way. And, right, and this is happening to a lot of the the people that are. Uh, who are uneducated about how to go about doing raw food diet. Yeah. I mean, if they're not careful about what they're putting into their body and not uh, sort of seeking out a well-balanced approach, then obviously they're going to have problems. But number nine on this list is Prader-Willi syndrome. And I'm sure you've probably heard about this particular one. It has um, been featured on news articles and in the media a little bit more than some of the other ones, but it is caused by a chromosomal defect. It is not hereditary and it affects both sexes and all races. Prader-Willi syndrome brings with it a number of symptoms, including motor skill deficiency, incomplete growth, and mental retardation. In addition, Prader-Willi syndrome causes an unquenchable appetite. Left unchecked, sufferers can literally eat themselves to death. Treatment includes growth hormone and a low-calorie diet that absolutely must be maintained. A fictionalized account of water of Prodder Willie was seen on the show CSI in 2005. So this is really a little bit of a more popular type thing. So you've heard of Prodder Willie, right? Right? No, I. You know, honestly, I don't think I've actually officially heard that name. You know, I've heard that actual word. So. It's been on the TLC channel, I think, and uh, I think maybe Lifetime or something like that, where they do sort of documentaries that feature people that have the Prader Willi. And it is really kind of a frightening um, thing to have to suffer from. Typically, it is paired with mental retardation um, for the most part. So there's probably all kinds of issues that could potentially potentially create an imbalance in the brain, which causes these these folks to eat, 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 eat. You have to lock the refrigerator. I mean, there's just all kinds of extreme steps that have to be taken when there's somebody in the household with that particular illness. But it's pretty scary. It's uh, probably very, very challenging to handle, deal with, and accommodate children that have that. So... I would imagine that they end up in the foster care system many times because the families are just simply incapable of dealing with the stress, the pressure, and the absolute rigid control that is necessary to keep children with Prader-Willi syndrome in check. Yeah, they have to really be on top of it because that's pretty And when serious. you pair it with a mental retardation, it just – it really – I think creates a handful and many parents are just not equipped to deal with that sort of thing. No, that would be very challenging indeed. Number eight on this list is PICA or PICA. It's called PICA. PICA. PICA is perhaps, and I've heard of this one before and I've seen, they have a, a couple shows that have featured this on TLC channel as well. PICA is the most interesting disease on this list. It is both an eating disorder and a psychiatric problem. People with PICA feel a compulsion to eat non-nutritional and non-food items. This can include anything from cigarette butts to paint. It is quite easy to get stuck or even die, to get sick, excuse me, or even die from PICA as the sufferers can eat dangerous chemicals or sharp objects that can puncture their vital organs. Yeah, I was watching TLC and they were they were showing a demonstration of people that had this and there was one lady that was eating her couch and there was another lady that was eating laundry pods. And this is before the Tide Pod Challenge thing, but she was eating laundry detergent. I, you know, I read about it um, when I was pregnant with Bella. Um, it happens in pregnancy too. 
It's crazy. I just can't imagine wanting to eat. And you know, the thing is, I've had nightmares about eating detergent or soap. And I imagine that that's like a very scary feeling when you know that you're craving something with a really strain. It's got to be <laughs> really frightening. I personally have never experienced that. What about you? No, but I've dreamt about it. So, and I was horrified. Yeah, that would be scary. Too. And it, it can't make you feel that great when you eat that. No. Could you imagine your digestive system? What would happen? No. It just sounds horrifying. Um, Number seven on this list is bigorexia, often called the opposite of anorexia. Bigorexia is the only disorder on this list with more male sufferers than women. Bigorexics compulsively work out, take supplements, and severely restrict their diets. No matter how muscular and sculpted their bodies are, those with the disease are shy or even humiliated to show off their bodies because in their minds they aren't good enough. Statistics vary widely as, in addition to the embarrassment from the illness, eating disorders have long been seen as a women's or girls' disease and many men will not come forward. I can imagine this is probably uh, paired with um, body dysmorphic disorder. Yeah. Or related to that in some way because some people just look at themselves in the mirror and they see something very, very different than what is actually there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I can see, um, you know, my fat. (laughs) I don't have that problem. Well, some people do. Um, number six on this list is binge eating disorder. I'm sure we've all heard of this particular one. Binge eating is a separate condition other than bulimia. Bulimia. It is thought to be the most common eating disorder yet is specified as part of an eating disorder not otherwise specified. <laughs> That's weird. This is a broad category. You can read about the criteria online, but people that have binge eating disorder do not have the love of food most compulsive eaters do. Like anorexics and bulimics, binge eaters are ashamed of their bodies and generally are embarrassed about their eating habits. They just feel this compulsion to eat, 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 eat. And it's not necessarily because they want to be satisfied from the food, but it sounds frightening as well. They just can't it control it. It's uncontrollable for them. Um, anorexia athletica is number five on this list. It's not technically an eating-related illness, but is almost never diagnosed without the presence of another eating disorder. As the name suggests, a person with anorexia athletica goes beyond the normal feeling most of us have after a nice long run or a good session at the gym. The feeling is not optional for those with the disease, and they often push themselves to overexert or even seriously injure themselves to achieve a perfect body. So I can imagine this probably comes along with bulimia or anorexia in many instances because people will compulsively exercise um, with their modification of their food intake to try to become the perfect person with a perfect body. It's hard to do though. Like compulsively exercise. don't have that. No, I mean, it's hard to, um, to be that strict. I mean, I don't know how people do that. I mean, they'd have to be really, really, really strict. Okay. Can you do that? Are you capable of being that strict with like food? I mean, I like food. I have gone through, um, phases where I have, dealt with anorexia. I have never done bulimia because I hate throwing up, but if throwing up wasn't so gross, gross. I would probably have done that too. I think there is something about those particular illnesses where I don't think people set out initially to, to do that, that to become like that. But I think that there is an element of control over your body that is comforting in a way, when you when things are spiraling, spiraling out of control, grades, romance, your life, your job, everything else, um, to be able to control that in a rigid way is is comforting. So I can understand yeah. it, and I have dealt with it at times myself. Am I dealing with it now? No. <laughs> but number four, night eating syndrome. Night eating syndrome. I've never even heard of this. This sounds so strange. Um, it's a relatively new disorder. Like orthorexia, it is gaining in diagnosis, gaining numbers. Night eating sufferers, usually um, obese or morbidly obese, eat almost nothing in the morning and during the day and eat over half of their daily calories at night. They often experience insomnia or wake up to indulge as well. Like others with ED, people with night eating syndrome often are secretive about their habits and are loath to admit there is a problem. So yeah, I can imagine that that this is a, is a real scary thing. 
Um, for instance, I had this really, really very large woman that sat next to me at work um, for a long period of time and she would never eat anything. <laughs> so like eight hours during the day, she's not eating anything. And I'm like, how could this woman be so freaking big? And I can imagine because she goes home and eats at night. I think that there's uh, people who, who struggle with obesity. They don't, and I personally am overweight, so I struggle sometimes with eating in front of people. Yeah, that's there's, a real thing. There's, there's shame. There's a shame that comes along with it. Yeah, and people are very judgy for the most mm-hmm. part. I don't want to be judged. Just keep your thoughts and yeah. opinions to yourself. <laughs> if I want to have a, if I want to have four Twixes in one sitting, it is not your place to judge me. Oh my gosh, four Twixes! Or if I want to sit and eat oh, an entire be... cake, I can because that is my God-given right. <laughs> so oh do not God, judge me for me eating so an entire sick. cake, a sheet cake. So luckily, I have had very supportive friends through most of my life who could really care less. I remember in college, my roommate Dana, we would walk down at night after classes and after we got done studying and go to the QFC and she would get an entire bag of like tortilla chips or something like that and a like a liter bottle of Diet Coke or she would get like Ew. a bag of french fries and dip it in mayonnaise and eat the entire thing and i would get like a cake <laughs> and eat the entire thing <laughs> so like clearly we had different tastes in our binge eating <laughs> but we did binge so um number 3 on this list is body dysmorphic disorder i'm sure it was very very unhealthy and we we try not to do that now but like that was the ultimate and I remember <laughs> always making sure that I saved at least $5 in cash after we'd been out clubbing so that we could stop at the grocery store on the way home and get fries or a pizza. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that we get have like our, our like midnight the snack. Get, the harder it is to do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would never be able to do that now. I would probably puke my guts out. Um, I used to go. I, I used to love to go to Safeway and get a bag of the Safeway peanut butter cups, oh and they were like word. my favorite thing. And I would eat the whole bag. I can't even like the stuff that I ate when I was nineteen, twenty. Just disgusting. <laughs> very, very <laughs> gross. It, um, it is body dysmorphic disorder. So we talked a little bit about it earlier. It's diagnosed <laughs> often with the presence of other eating disorders and is nearly almost always diagnosed um, with either anorexia or bulimia, but it often lingers long after the other symptoms and other illnesses have been taken care of. People with body dysmorphic disorder are convinced they have a number of defects, including but not limited to being fat and ugly and having bad hair, bad teeth, and a bad odor. I did not know that. I thought it was just thinking you were fat, but... Obviously, it includes other things and can be all-inclusive as well of having all those traits. So this goes beyond the normal teenage insecurities and how someone looks. When a BDD sufferer looks into the mirror, they see something completely different than those around them do. This is a very, very curious thing to me. And I have experienced it several times, not with myself, but with other people. And it just... um. It can be really scary when somebody somebody's looking at themselves and critiquing and tearing themselves down when they're a very attractive person. No, I, I was thinking about what you were saying. I, I was trying to think of any any people that I knew that um, suffer from that. So bulimia is characterized by binge and purge cycles. When most people think of bulimics, they think of self-induced vomiting to purge. Well, this is one of the most common ways to purge. Bulimics will also use diuretics and enemas. Additionally, bulimics will use Ipecac syrup, Ipecac syrup and over the and overexercise to induce vomiting. Bulimics are very aware that their behavior is both abnormal and frowned upon and will go to great lengths to hide it. Interestingly enough, bulimics with a balanced binge purge cycle are generally a normal weight. It is only those who purge more than they binge who exhibit the outside signs of an eating disorder. Have you known anyone with bulimia? Um, yeah, I've had a couple friends in high school with bulimia, um, and they looked from the outside. They didn't look overly skinny until until it got to the extreme, and then they had to get treatment. 
Wow. Yeah. One of my best friends in high school was bulimic and she was a big girl. I mean, she wasn't like grossly obese, but she was a good 30, 40 pounds overweight. And I remember just thinking to myself, why, why would you do this when it's clearly not doing what you think it's doing for you? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it goes hand in hand with the binge eating. I mean, it's disgusting. Like throwing up to me is one of the most awful ways to be sick. Like I would rather be any other kind of sick than throwing up. And to see somebody willingly do that is horrifying. Yeah. I mean, I think a good portion of people did, but my friend that I knew growing up would just stick her fingers down her throat. That was like the easiest, cheapest, um, most readily available way to do it. So I mean, I know that when people have laxatives or that other stuff, it can be unpredictable. It can be explosive. It can be really like hard on your stomach. So it was easier to just stick your fingers down your throat. And that was sort of a thing back when I was a teen. Um, you would always have, you'd hear the sound of girls in the bathroom doing that when you went, you know, after practice or whatever, you'd hear it. But I remember when we were little mom thinking you were bulimic and listening at the door or having us girls listen at the door to make sure you weren't puking. You remember that? Well, Jara, Jara was learning about eating disorders in school and just assumed that because I was skinny, that that was the issue. (laughs) It was just like, yeah, no, she's not throwing up. Would you leave her alone? It's just that Vic's food sucked. Well, I don't think it sucked. I think it was actually good. We just didn't appreciate it because we had not been raised with a wide variety of foods. It was very um, Midwestern meat and potatoes. We didn't eat olives. We didn't eat onions. We didn't eat peppers. All the stuff that he made is amazeballs now. But when we were kids, it was like, oh, my God, that is so disgusting. You put olives in your spaghetti sauce? What the hell is wrong with you? The number one thing on this list is anorexia. And this one, I think, is probably the most common out of all these disorders. Newest studies estimate that one out of 100 teenage girls suffers from this disease now. Girls as young as eight have been hospitalized with this condition. Brain mapping of those with anorexia shows their addiction to not eating is just as great as those with heavy drug or alcohol addiction. Anorexics are at a great risk for relapse because anorexia and other eating disorders, like most addictions, never goes away. Those that have been through treatment and no longer show symptoms or signs of their condition are considered in remission and must keep their impulses and urges in check. Even years down the line, one event can re-trigger the illness, kind of like addiction to heroin. However, those who do not manage to keep the disease in line can recover fully. Those who do manage to keep the disease in line can recover fully and eat and live normally. Anorexia is a very, very curious illness to me. And the fact that girls as young as eight and younger are suffering from this is just, is so sad to me that they feel as though they are too big or society is telling them that they are not good enough. It's sad. It really is. I had a friend in high school who had it and she was like 90 pounds. The fact that they map the brain and they show the same compulsions and addictions as alcoholism or drug addiction is pretty telling. So Katrina, why don't you enlighten us with some of the more positive things that food can do for the diet? I I found an article um, on Zeomac about miracle foods that cure cancer. 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 So we learned about some of the bad things food can do and the relationship with food can do, but this is actually very interesting because there are many people out there, medical professionals and just normal lay people that really do believe that food and your diet is the key to keeping your body whole and healthy. Why don't you enlighten us a little further on this? So if you just an FYI for people out there who don't know exactly what cancer is, but it's a a disease caused by uncontrolled division of abnormal cells in a part of the body. So if you think about that, and if you have other people out there, I don't know if they've taken nutrition or have you taken nutrition? Yes. Um, they, they talk about how your digestive system, when you eat, how the things that you eat affect the cells in your body. Anyway, the article there um, says that there are many foods that have natural power to reduce and remove cancer cells. So the first one on the list is leafy green vegetables. 
like broccoli. Um, is there a list of the leafy green vegetables that they're talking about? Um, bro- well, they say specifically broccoli. Huh. And then it says um, broccoli, um, green leafy broccoli is full of fiber along with vitamins, minerals, and plant-based substances that help to protect us from heart disease, diabetes, etc., and cancer. So I have heard that vegetables like broccoli help balance your body's pH um, and cancer cells and disease cannot live in a environment, in an environment in the body. Cancer cells proliferate and increase in an acidic environment. When you have an alkaline environment, they cannot survive. Foods like broccoli, spinach, and other green vegetables help alkalize the body and create a balanced pH where cancer cells cannot reproduce is the theory behind some of that that I've heard with respect to the green vegetables. Um, is this something that uh, you incorporate two. for that reason within your diet and your, and for your kids as well? Um, yeah, we eat a lot of broccoli in our home. Um, but I love broccoli. So did you um, eat it because and, of the, the cancer preventing principles or the cancer providing elements, or was this something that you just had in your diet prior to, because it was healthy and a vegetable? I've always liked broccoli, so it's something that I've always had in my diet before I even knew it was good for fighting cancer. And it's like, wow, what a great dink! I'm like, good, good thing I like it and my kids like it. So. All right. Okay, what's next? Um, brightly orange colored fruits and vegetables. Brightly colored pigments found in plant foods are best for our health. These type of foods contain a massive amount of antioxidants, vitamins, fiber, and phytonutrients. The orange color foods are right for your skin, eyes, and heart, and they may also decrease your risk of cancer. Sweet. Like what's on the list for those? Um, it, it's uh, sweet citrus fruits, sweet potatoes, squashes, and other plant foods. Wow. That's what it says. I love all yeah. of those. It's uh, It says it's good for fighting cancers affecting your immune function, liver health, and fighting cancers of the skin, eyes, and organs. Awesome. So folks out there, if you are considering incorporating any of these into your diet, obviously see your doctor, make sure that everything is okay first. Um, And then secondarily, make sure you're getting a good quality organic um, fruit or vegetable. Farmer's markets are great. Um, And most stores do have organic sections now, but many of these fruits and vegetables, if you do buy the regular ones, the pesticides can sit on the surface of the food and cancel out the benefits of the fruits or vegetables. So just be careful about the source of your fruits and vegetables if you're looking at incorporating them for a cancer preventative diet. Yep. Yeah. A lot of those things can affect um, number three on the list is herbs and spices. Interesting. Um, herbs and spice. Yeah. Herbs and spices are essential element. <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Are an essential element in our daily food. It doesn't only enhance the taste of food, but it also can pre- preserve for more extended periods of, of time. All spices come from plants such as flowers, fruits, seeds, barks, leaves, and roots. Um, herbs and spices have not only high, are not only high in B vitamins and trace minerals, but also have antibacterial and antiviral properties. Most of the herbs spices contain more disease fighting antioxidants than fruits and vegetables. Wow. I guess it kind of makes sense since it's usually a concentrated version of it, right? Right. Is there a list of the top ones for that one? Um, they didn't, they just said, um, from flowers, fruits, seeds, barks, leaves, and roots. Huh. Okay. It didn't actually give you specific ones. Awesome. Next on the list is benefits of tomatoes. So this one is um, somewhat controversial because I have heard also that it is an anti-cancer um, fruit or vegetable, but I have also heard that because they are part of the nightshade family that many people are allergic to them. But what, what is the cancer causing principle behind eating tomatoes? Well, it's just that tomatoes have a massive amount of antioxidant lycopene, which is useful in lowering the risk of cancer. Awesome. Um, so like your spaghetti sauces and things like that, um, can be filled with that cancer preventative 
sort of trait? Well, I know that some that ketchup has lycopene in it, but if you get certain types of um, ketchups, they have a high fructose corn syrup in it. Yeah, which I've read is not good as far as cancer it, that causes cancer to grow. From right, what I've read. So if you're going to incorporate ketchup or spaghetti sauce even into your diet as a preventative measure, you'll obviously want to get an organic, um, non-sweetened variety, which they do have at health food stores now. Or you can make your own. Um, that is an alternative as well. But you just be very, very cautious about what you are purchasing out there because in many instances they are loaded with um, chemicals and sweeteners and all kinds of other crap that are actually going to cancel out any of the benefits of those. Um, number five, walnuts help fight cancer. Um, I've had a, I've heard that walnuts have um, a lot of really um, wonderful qualities about them that are really good for you. They're good for your brain. Um, I have not heard about it helping with cancer, but it says that um, in this article it says walnuts help to fight breast cancer. Wow! As well as <clears throat> two handfuls of nuts a day may keep cancer away. This walnut can help you to decrease breast cancer tumor growth. It has many natural ingredients which are helpful to cure a cancer cell. Wow. So do you like walnuts? Um, I think I'm allergic. What? <laughs> um, How? Yeah. Every How time do you know? I eat, well, every time I eat walnuts or pecans, I get a, like a tingling in my mouth. Wow. So like, like an anaphylactic, an yeah, sort of an anaphylactic reaction. Um, interesting. I wonder if this is a chemical component that is also somewhat related to your bee allergy. I, I don't know. Because don't you, know I believe, are the only one out of us kids that has an allergy to bee stings, right? Yep. So, yep. And you were also the only one with an allergy to the nuts, so to a form of nuts. So that's very interesting to me. I like walnuts. Uh, I did not used to like them. I used to hate them. I used to pick them out of my carrot cake and any other things that had walnuts in it. I hated them. But probably for the last two or three years, I've really um, enjoyed them. They have a very distinct and different flavor than many other nuts. And I like that they look like little brains. <laughs> they do. Look, they're supposed to be really good for your brain. Yeah. So for, I have been uh, eating them because of the and stuff like that. I've been eating them because of the fats and them, the healthy fats, the omegas in walnuts. But it's awesome that they're also cancer preventative. So nice. What else you got? Number number six is apple cider vinegar for cancer. I have um, heard that. Cider, but, yeah, I have heard that too. Do you drink apple cider vinegar? I do every morning. I have about um, two two tablespoons in my um, my green smoothie. Wow! And do, do you notice um, any effects from taking it? Like, why do you incorporate it into your diet? Um, because so for me, I have um, blood sugar issues, uh -huh. and I read that um, apple cider vinegar is good for people who um, have um, blood sugar issues. It helps to regulate your your blood sugar. Uh huh. Um, so that's why I take it. Interesting. Um, and does it work? Yeah. Um, do you notice the difference if I you don't take it? Problems. I'm sorry. What was that? Do you notice the difference if you do not take it? Um, yeah, it, but it, it, it takes a couple days. I just love vinegar in general. There's something about the pungent sort of tartness of it that is very yummy to me. Well, apple cider vinegar in itself is, and it has a real nasty taste. Um, but if you have it in like a vinaigrette or, um, you know, salad dressings are really good with it. Mixing it with, um, with, with things is definitely the way to go. <laughs> Drinking it on its own or with water is disgusting. Yeah. I would never recommend just taking, drinking it straight for anybody. No. Um, at all because it is, uh, it tastes horrible. Um, but it says that it's helpful to it all. It's also helpful in assisting in curing allergies, sinus infections, acne, flu, and cancer. Wow. The popular way to take it is to mix a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar with a spoon of raw honey and a glass of water. Nice. Apple Try cider it. vinegar is, is fermented apple juice. So more of it is, it is, has various health benefits 
Um, it contains uh, nutrition, which is he- which helps our body. It is natural uh, health cleanser to the hum- for the human body. Helps so cleanse us. If you folks out there are considering incorporating apple cider vinegar into your diet, be cautious. Do not drink it on its own. It can burn mm-hmm. your throat and your stomach. Um, it is yeah. very strong. You need to dilute it with water or some other kind of liquid before you consume it because it will burn or it will cause severe indigestion. So just be aware that that's a thing. Yeah, you have to do it right, for sure. So do not go buy a thing of apple cider vinegar and chug that shit because you will have some major heartburn, if not burn the crap out of your throat. But anyway, Jamie did that. He took like a shot of it. (laughs) Made him almost barf. You know, some people say that you should take a spoonful or a shot of it and do it that way. But you, it's it's rough (laughs) taking it that way. Is real harsh. (laughs) Most people cannot handle it. So number seven is black raspberry. Black raspberry, as opposed to, are there other kinds of raspberry, like red raspberry? This is black raspberry cancer treatment. So blackberry, oh, well, then it says blackberry contains a massive amount of vitamin to reduce cancer cells. So is Every it year black only, raspberry or blackberry? I think that they, they meant to say black, I don't know. Blackberry? Black raspberry. Okay. Because then it goes to saying every year we learn more about the health benefits of these nutritional powerhouse berries and fruits. Comparative raspberries, blueberries, and cranberries cranberries have possible ailments which are to help prevent cancer. So blackberries are a quite a little powerhouse. Called, um, turmeric is the next one. I have heard about turmeric being... What about you? Have you heard it as? Oh yeah, turmeric is my holistic doctor is just huge on turmeric. She wants it in everything. Well, it's good for a lot of things. Um, turmeric contains an anti-cancer element. It has bioactive compounds with powerful medicinal health value. It works perfectly with effects on breast cancer, bowel cancer, stomach cancer, and skin cancer cells. Turmeric dramatically increases antioxidants. It, my computer turned off. Um, turmeric dramatically increases antioxidant capacity of the human of the human body. Moreover, it will help brain function and lower risk of brain diseases. You can drink turmeric milk for preventing cancer. That sounds delicious. Not- <laughs> I actually um, have like this turmeric creamer. It's like a a mixture of like turmeric and like a um, coconut creamer. And I make it like a tea. I definitely think it needs other things to flavor it because on its own, it's not the most delicious. Right. It, it, no, it is not. So the stuff that I drink actually has like a coconutty flavor. And then I'll put a little bit of a sweetener in it to kind of sweeten it. But it, it can be really good if you mix it. Okay. So next on the list is mushrooms. Interesting. Mushrooms. Yeah. Mu- yeah. Um, mushroom is a natural food for cancer treatment. Um, any particular kind of mushroom? Um, it doesn't say in this article. Um, it just says that it's used worldwide to fight cancer and enhance and modulate an immune system in our body. Number 10 is healthy, unrefined oils, coconut flax, cod liver, extra virgin olive oil. Healthy, unrefined oils have an excellent value of reducing cancer cells. It helps to grow your immune system and um, is good for cooking. So just use caution, folks, when you go out and try to incorporate these. Again, doctors be under a doctor's care. And to try to get the healthiest, most organic versions of these products and foods that you can so that you can ensure that you're not kind of outweighing the benefit with the damages um, from pesticides or other processing. I have an interesting article to kind of end the show with today. And this is such a large and sort of voluminous topic that I think this will be part one of several parts Um, about diet and cancer curing and food as medicine. And this will be our food as medicine series um, because it is, it's huge. It's just impossible to cover off on every aspect of it in an hour. And we talked, you know, very briefly about food and cancer, but 
and then eating disorders. But I want to kind of end this on an interesting note by reading um, a Wikipedia article about this gentleman because it is so interesting. Um, And I imagine that he must have had one or more of the eating disorders described in the first article that I read. But this is about Tarar. Um, He was a Frenchman that was alive in the 1700s. He was a French showman and a soldier that was noted for his unusual eating habits. And I have heard many podcasts about this gentleman. He was able to eat vast amounts of meat. He was constantly hungry. His parents could not provide for him, and he was turned out of the family home as a teenager. Um, When that happened, he traveled to France in the company of a band of thieves and prostitutes before becoming the warm-up act to a traveling charlatan. He would swallow corks, stones, live animals, and whole baskets of apples. He took his act to Paris, where he worked as a street performer. So... This is just, this guy has a crazy, crazy appetite. And I wonder if it is some form of prodder Willy syndrome. But at the start of the war of the First Coalition, Tarare joined the French Revolutionary Army. With military rations unable to satisfy his large appetite, he would eat any available food from gutters and refuse heaps, but his condition still deteriorated through hunger. He was hospitalized due to exhaustion and became the subject of a series of medical experiments to test his eating capacity. He ate a meal intended for 15 people in a single sitting. He ate live cats, snakes, lizards, and puppies, and swallowed eels whole without chewing. Despite his unusual diet, he was of normal size and appearance and showed no signs of mental illness other than he was what was described as an apathetic temperament. How would his body digest those things? I don't even know. Wouldn't (laughs) that like, wouldn't things get like lodged in his digestive tract if he, you know, because like we chew stuff up to help. What? Clearly, it's gonna. It talks a little bit more about it, but he decided to put his abilities for use in the military, and he was employed as a courier by the French army with the intention that he would swallow documents, pass them through enemy lines, and recover them from his stool once safely at his destination. Terrare could not speak German, and on his first mission was captured by Prussian forces, severely beaten, and underwent a mock execution before he was returned to French lines. Chastised by by this experience, he agreed to submit any per- to any procedure that would cure his appetite and was treated with laundum, tobacco pills, wine vinegar, and soft-boiled eggs. <laughs> the procedures failed and doctors could not keep him on a controlled diet. He would sneak out of the hospital to scavenge for offal or offal in gutters, rubbish heaps, and outside butcher shops. He even attempted to drink the blood of other patients in the hospital and to eat the corpses in the hospital morgue. After being, sus- <laughs> right? After being suspected of eating a toddler, he was ejected from the hospital. He reappeared four years later in Versailles with a severe case of tuberculosis and died shortly afterward, following a lengthy bout of severe diarrhea. They say he was born in rural France around 1772 his date of birth is unrecorded and it's not even known what his real name was or if this name was his nickname Torare. as a child he had a huge appetite and by teen by his teens he could eat a quarter of a bullock weighing as much as himself in a single day his parents being that they could not provide for him forced him to leave home he toured the country, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, and begged and stole food before he was employed by the military. After his stint in the military, he moved to Paris to work as a street performer, he, where he begged and did all kinds of stuff for food. Um, clearly, he went into medical care, and they were unable to fix him. Um, <laughs> this is interesting, though, that he... If he was a prodder willy patient, then he would gain weight and be huge. But they said that despite his unusual diet, he was slim and of average height. He was described as having unusually soft, fair hair and an abnormally wide mouth in which his teeth were heavily stained and lips were almost invisible. 
When he had not eaten, his skin would hang so loosely that he could wrap the folds of his skin from his abdomen around his waist. When full, his abdomen would distend like a huge balloon. The skin of his cheeks was wrinkled and hung loosely, and when stretched out, he could hold 12 eggs or apples in his mouth. His body was hot to the touch, and he sweated heavily, constantly having a bad, foul body odor. He was described as stinking to such a degree that he could not be endured within the distance of 20 paces. This smell would get noticeably noticeably worse after he had eaten. His eyes and cheeks would become bloodshot and a visible vapor would rise from his body. He would also become lethargic, during which time he could belch noisily and his jaw would make swallowing motion. He had chronic diarrhea, which was said to be fetid beyond all conception. Despite his large intake of food, he did not appear to either vomit excessively or to gain weight. Aside from eating habits, his contemporaries saw no apparent signs of mental illness or unusual behavior, other than an apathetic temperament with a complete lack of force and ideas. So he was just this mellow, laid-back, chill dude who really had no concept or desire for anything other than to just eat, 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 eat. The cause of his behavior is not known. While there are other documented cases of similar behavior from the period, none of the subjects other than Terare were autopsied, and there have been no modern documented cases resembling this gentleman. Hyperthyroidism can induce an extreme appetite, rapid weight loss, profuse sweating, heat intolerance, and fine hair. Some people speculate that Terare had damaged, that he had a damaged amygdala. It is known that injuries to the the amygdala in animals can induce problems like this. So this is so fascinating to me. This gentleman, even despite his military rations, he remained hungry and would scavenge for food. The fact that he went into the hospital and would creep into the apothecary's room to eat the poultices. Military surgeons could not understand his appetite and he was ordered to remain in the military hospital to take part in a battery of psychological and physiological experiments um, in which they tried to figure out what was causing all of this. They tested his capacity for food on several instances. He had been eaten enough food for 15 laborers. And they, I wonder they, if, they, <laughs> if, if we have cases of that today, if they've done any studies on it. I don't even know. But I think this was a period instance um, that, I mean, we have Prodder Willie now, but this dude, by all accounts, was completely normal. Um, But hospital staff restrained him in the presence of food and allowed him to reach the table undisturbed when being tested. He could eat an entire meal of two large meat pies, plates of grease and salt, and four gallons of milk, and then immediately fall asleep. His belly would become taut and inflamed like a large, and inflated like a large balloon. On one occasion, he was presented with a live cat. He tore the cat's abdomen open with his teeth and drank its blood, proceeded to eat the entire cat aside from its bones before vomiting up its fur and skin. Following this, hospital staff ordered a variety of other animals, including snakes, lizards, and puppies, all of which were eaten. He also swallowed the eel without chewing, first having crushed its head with his teeth. Ay, 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 ay. That sounds like he had some serious, like, mental disorder because that's not normal. No, clearly not. So following the incident where they beat him up and attempted the mock execution in the military when he was trying to do service for France, he was desperate to avoid further military service and returned to the hospital Um, saying that he was open to any possible cures. They treated him without success, with all kinds of treatments, fed him large quantities of soft-boiled eggs, but this failed to suppress his appetite. Efforts to keep him on any kind of controlled diet failed. He would sneak out of the hospital and scavenge, obviously. Um, He was also caught several times within the hospital, drinking from patients undergoing bloodletting and attempting to eat the bodies in the hospital mortuary. Other doctors believed he was mentally ill and pressed him to, for him to be transferred to a lunatic asylum. But his doctors were keen to continue the experiments, and he remained in the military hospital. After some time, a 14-month-old child disappeared from the hospital, and Terare was immediately suspected. 
The doctor was unable or unwilling to defend him, and the hospital staff chased him from the hospital, to which he never returned. So they suspect that he ate a 14-month-old child. That's sick. So four years later, in 1798, one of the hospitals in Versailles contacted the doctor that initially treated Terrari to notify him that a patient of theirs wished to see him. It was Terrari, now bedridden and weak. He told Percy that he had swallowed a golden fork two years earlier, which he believed was lodged inside him and causing his current weakness. He hoped the doctor could find some way to remove it. Percy, however, recognized that he had advanced tuberculosis. A month later, Tarare began to experience continuous diarrhea, dying shortly thereafterwards. The corpse rotted quickly. The surgeons of the hospitals refused to dissect it. One of the doctors wanted to find out how Tarare differed from the norm internally and was also curious as to whether the gold fork was actually lodged inside him. At the autopsy, Tarare's gullet was found to be at normally wide, and when his jaws were open, surgeons could see down a broad canal into the stomach. His body was filled with pus. His liver and gallbladder were abnormally large. His stomach was enormous and covered in ulcers and filled most of his abdominal cavity. The fork was never found. Dun, dun, dun. What? Is that not the craziest shit? Yeah, they estimate that he died around 26. He was 26 when he died? Yeah. That's young. But, I mean, God, you can imagine, like, what eating all of that stuff would do to a body. Yeah. So There's no way, like. It is definitely an interesting juxtaposition from what we just talked about in food being medicine to food being essentially the downfall of a man. Although... Had it not been for the tuberculosis, one could only wonder how long this gentleman would have lived, right? All I know is the the fact that he was suspected of eating a small child. Well, that's disturbing. Uh, Like he would eat live at like, it's just awful, 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 awful. Very, very interesting case. uh, Psychologically speaking, there's no way that 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 man was sane. This is true. Um, on so many levels. Um, we are going to wrap it up for now. Um, this is a point where we say goodbye. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. Also, if you have any questions, comments, and suggestions, please shoot us an email. We love your emails. We are at hypoalmo, or excuse me, we are at hypoalma at gmail.com or hypochondriacsalmanac at gmail.com. We will put those addresses into the show notes. Please, please, please send us emails. We love your emails. Please join us again next week when we talk more about strange medical news, conditions, and treatments. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay healthy, keep it real, and always live your best life. Bye. Bye.